Hey guys, welcome back. This is CourtsAheat.com, and today is finally the day. Today is the NBA Draft. This is the 2021 NBA Draft, where we're going to be seeing where Chad Cunningham, where Evan Mobley, uh, Jalen Suggs, and all these different guys will be going, and what team will be drafting who, or who will be making a trade. It's really interesting. We have so much to talk about in today's podcast episode. But before we break it all down, free agency, then the draft, we have to talk about social media. Real quick, joining action on tonight's um, on tonight's event on the NBA draft at 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern, um, East Coast time. That will be airing on ABC, ESPN, I believe ESPN 2. You can find us on courtsideheat.com. We will have an NBA 2021 draft section of each pick um, that is made um, during the entire draft. So we're going to cover 1 through 60. And then, of course, on social media, we'll be there for the best coverage of the draft. Go to twitter.com slash courtsideheat. We'll be posting every single pick there our reactions, and of course, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast, where we'll be breaking down the draft Friday morning, talking about it. We'll also have it on courtsheat.com in the store, and yeah, if you want to see before the draft updates and whatnot, go check us out on Instagram.com slash courtsheatNBA. Remember to go to Medium, courtsheatheat.medium.com. To see the stuff that's on the website, but more accessible if you're a Medium user and you like what Medium has to offer. We have Tumblr.com slash Quartzahe. We have Facebook.com slash Quartzahe. We have it all. And without further ado, unless I'm missing something, let's get straight to this podcast episode because this is the day. This is the day where we'll see who's the first overall pick. Who's going to go in the top five? The first three picks are locked in. That is what people are guessing. Now, the order that they go in, the number three pick I have pretty locked down. The first and second one, I'm still debating on that. But we're going to jump right into that. We're going to jump into the importance of this draft. We're going to break it all down and let's do it here, right here, right now. But first, let's talk about some free agency. Free agency is short, but what's going to be even longer is the draft because today is Thursday. But kicking off free agency, the the Warriors are actually, I'm sorry, no, the Jazz are actually most likely to re-sign Mike Connolly. And before COVID injuries took place on the, the Utah Jazz, they were looking really good, but then injuries got in the way with Mike Connolly. He had to sell some games, but he was a great guard. I mean, he was a great guard for that team, and it would make it wouldn't make sense if they didn't get him back. It would make tons of sense for him to re to for. Oh, I cannot speak today. Uh, I do apologize if the Jazz is are able to re-sign Mike Connolly because if they are, and I think a huge extension should be given, like. What what that what should it be? Uh, maybe like a two year. I'm spitballing here. Two year, fifteen, twenty million dollar contract. I would do it because Mike Connolly, 
averaged 16 points off of 44% shooting, uh, free rebounds, and six assists. And that's about 30 minutes per game. That is pretty huge. I think that's amazing. I say re-sign Mike Conley. He's only, if I check, he's only 33 years old. Yes, but that's still, he's in the midst of his prime. This is where you want to have your point guard. And I believe for the Jazz, this is going to be something for them. As the Jazz are trying to get back to the postseason, trying to um, use Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Connolly if they're able to resign him to their benefit. So I am 100% down for that. I think it will be amazing if they re-sign him. And you just never know. Because he's not this explosive point guard, but he'll get the job done on the offensive side and the defensive side. Second one that we are seeing, we have Mike D'Antoni. He's ready to coach again after being the Brooklyn Nets assistant coach on Steve Nash's coaching staff. He has stepped down from being a full-time coach with the Brooklyn Nets. So he wants to coach again. He's looking to make his return after sitting out um this past season be assistant head coach with the Brooklyn Nets um after getting terminated and or uh, you could say fired by the Houston Rockets. So that's going to be interesting. I will say I give why D'Antoni went to Brooklyn a, Brooklyn had the greatest chances in the world until postseason injuries killed their chances and it was just Kevin Durant going 40, 40 minutes per game when it really came down to Bucks, Nets, right? But what could have been for that Nets team if they were not battling COVID, they were not battling injuries and different factors like that? But I I don't know if D'Antoni would be a good head coach again. I don't know who would want him. It's tough to say because a lot of new head coaches were given an opportunity. Jason Kidd was getting an opportunity. I gave he was already a head coach, but he's working out that assistant role. Um, I mean, Udoka, I apologize if I botched your name. I did not mean to. Um, but he's getting a huge opportunity. He was assistant coach. So there was a lot more assistants. There was a lot more assistants getting coaching jobs, which I do like because I do believe, like we've seen with Eric Spolstra when he was um when he was in different places in his career before becoming the head coach. Like Pat Riley, like Phil Jackson, with different guys like that. I think that's amazing. And I believe if Mike D'Antoni Wants to find our coaching role. I don't know what team's going to be, but I believe someone's going to offer him a contract because, for whatever reason, he has a good background. I'm not a huge Mike Mike D'Antoni fan, but he's not a bad head coach. So if you have a young core or if you have a veteran core, he's going to work with. It. But the cons are is that he's going to try to run that seven second offense. He's going to try to play no defense. So there are pros and cons to everything, but that's what we're looking at. Moving on, we have Damian Lord. He's back to it. He's focused on Team USA. He's like, I'm focused on the Olympics. I don't, 
I don't want to talk about the drama right now. I need to be in a good headspace just to focus with my teammates on Team USA, able to gel, able to have great chemistry so we're not losing games anymore. And actually, after losing to France, they were able to take on Iran and be in like 120 to 66, which was amazing. I was not expecting that entire, uh, that huge beatdown. I believe Damian had a nice game along with Devin Booker and different players like that on Team USA. But yeah, so Damian Lillard is going to be evaluating Portland's offseason moves before reassessing his future. So he still has not made a firm, solid uh, choice on who or where he wants to go to. And the win and the where is still undetermined. He has kiboshed uh, rumors of him requesting a trade, but he's also said he won't mind coming back to his team. Now he's saying, you know what, before I reassess my future, I need to see what Portland's going to be doing. And there's all these different uh, rumors, trade rumors about Portland trading CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, shipping out Damian Lillard for different pieces. And the Knicks were a huge one where uh, CBS Sports put out a trade, uh, uh, the mock trade between the Blazers and the uh, Knicks. And it was like poor and Trail Blazers would be giving up Damian Lillard in a pit and like a draft pick for Adobe Toppin, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel uh, Quickly. Uh, and I maybe two draft picks, something like that. But it was a lot. But I was thinking to myself, I'm going to talk about the draft, but I want to talk about this since we're talking about Damian Lillard. That would be significant because the Knicks actually have that, have that advantage of putting in pieces. But despite, but despite the, oh my, I'm getting my words mixed up again. Um, but despite, despite. But despite, like, what am I trying to say here? Despite having all the pieces, do you really want to create an Arkham Anthony trade? Where you traded everyone good off your roster just to give one great player in return. Or one good player in return. And that was Carmel Anthony. Uh, when we had the mellow Nick, Nick years, right? Um... I don't think it would be the smartest move for the Knicks. I want them to keep their young core. I want them to keep their roster the way they have it. Meaning, they're not going to trade their entire roster just for Damian Lord. No disrespect to Damian Lord, but I don't think you should be giving up that much when your future is turning around because the Knicks went to the postseason um, not too, uh, a few months ago, found great success even though they lost in the first round. But it was starting to turn around their franchise, and that's a huge stepping stone for this franchise with Tom Thibodeau as their head coach. So that'll be interesting as they're trying to land Kyle Lowry. So it's like, do you want to try to trade all of that away? I get you're not really going to try to bring back Derrick Rose, it looks like. Do you want to have Kyle Lowry, Damian Lillard, uh, Mitchell Robinson, um... Joyce Randall, could that be something? I don't know. I would say put on the brakes. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I wanted to bring that up because I saw it was interesting for a mock trade by CBS Sports, right? So I thought that was interesting. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm actually, I'm actually going to save the 
if the Trailblazers trade Damian Lillard, excluding CJ McCollum, they would get so uh, they would get a team like the Knicks that have all of those assets in draft picks and um, just players in general. And that brings good questions to what's um, to what CJ McCollum's going to be doing. He's been quiet, but the Trailblazers may just say, you know what, let's get rid of him too. It's time for him to go. It just did not work out, but that's where we're at. Damian Lillard's going to be assessing his future after Portland's offseason. So whatever Portland does has to be perfect as trades cannot be official till the following day after the free agency uh, market opens, which is August 2nd. So I guess August 3rd, August 4th, somewhere around there, where trades become more official. So it'll be interesting what trades are made, but it's also something that's going to be in the back of Portland's mind like, Okay, what happens if Damian Lillard's not comfortable where he's at after all of our offseason moves are done with the draft, free agency, etc., etc.? Well, I mean, that's it. And you know Chauncey Billups is trying to say, give me a chance. The organization's like, give us a chance. One more year. We have a new head coach. We know we did not get Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd did not want to come here. I know that was your top man. I, thought, I knew that was your top recruit that you wanted to get. But it didn't turn out that way. So they're just trying to keep breaking down the walls, breaking down the barriers and the obstacles of having different things in Damian Lord's mind that could be changing his perspective on this organization. But the good thing that they have, and if Damian Lord's actually telling the truth, is where he's just focusing on Team USA, in which I do believe that. And then that buys him some time to say, you know what? At least he's not sitting at home. And he's like... I can actually be in LA. I can actually be in New York. I can actually be in Brooklyn. Like, right, I'm just saying. I'm just giving off random cities, right? I'm not saying that's where he's going to go. But I would say the New York Knicks would be something interesting, nonetheless. But I'm going to I'm gonna keep you guys posted on that one. And the last thing for free agency, but this is diving into... Uh, trades um, into the NBA draft. So now we're just going to make this quick transition. This is interesting. This is interesting. And we're going to be talking about this a lot. So I'm going to actually combine it. I'm actually going to combine it. This piece of breaking news is going to go along with our question. And I want to get to last podcast episode before we ran out of time. It was what should the Warriors do with their two first round draft picks? And the breaking news here is the Warriors are interested in trading up for Jalen Suggs. He's their main target if they get Toronto's fourth overall pick. Now, wait a minute. Doesn't this come full circle? Wait, hold on. Who remembers a few months ago during the playing tournament, there was a report that Golden State was like, you know what? We'll give you James Wiseman. We'll give you our two picks if you give us your pick and the six, uh, fourth overall pick and Pascal Siakam. What if now it comes back to full circle and the Golden State Warriors are like, okay, what can we work out here? Maybe we could go draft pick for draft pick. Maybe I could throw in James Wiseman. That would be interesting, interesting because we know picks one for free is going to be either Suggs. I'm sorry, not Suggs. Um, no, I'm sorry. Green, Cunningham, or Mobley. 
Right, we all know it's going to happen, unless something shocking happens, but everybody's predicting those first three picks to be solid, right? What if? What if everybody's like, well, we have we have Jalen Suggs, and would he be a fit? Like, for real, would he be a fit with the Warriors? And it would make complete sense to me if the Warriors said, we talked before, rumors came up before, let's just keep... Like, let's just keep scratching this. Let's keep digging at this. I believe if the Warriors wanted to trade the picks, trade or two picks because they're actually better giving up the 7th and 14th to get the 4th overall pick and get Jalen Suggs. Because if they're truly committed to the guard, I believe he's a shooting guard. I'm looking up his position right now. Yeah, he's a guard, right? But... It's it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting. He's he's a decisive playmaker. He's a playmaker. He has he has a high IQ. He has great athleticism. People, uh, the ringer, um, especially says he's an NBA ready player with All Star upside. He, look, he's a point guard, shooting guard, and his playmaking skills are amazing. He's a streaky shooter. He he lacks that explosive free-pointing ability. He lacks coming off of the screen and handoffs. His his like uh, his motion to be fluid is choppy, but his playmaking is amazing. His vision to deliver passes on the court is something most players, especially this draft class, cannot have because he averaged four assists per game in his um when he was with the um, Gonzaga. It would be interesting because look, he's a point guard, but looking at his height, his height six four. Let me go over to Kelly Oubre real quick. And there's no way, no more position, especially on the Golden State Warriors, actually matters. He's a shooting guard slash small forward. So they're only off by three inches. What if you say bye-bye to Kelly Oubre and you bring in Jalen Suggs? Now, wait a minute. His passing skills are amazing. So why not make him the guy bring up the ball? Why not make him the guy that's giving and feeding the ball to Curry, to a healthy Tom um, Thompson, to health uh, to a um, healthy Draymond Green, to a J- uh, James Wiseman still if they still have him right or Pascal Siakam? They make those two big man changes with the draft picks, and this is just speculation because I'm just going off a report that came out. During the playing tournament, but it's interesting. But despite his streaky shooting, despite his free point shooting abilities being poor, I I truly do believe that his his defensive and mainly offensive passing skills are amazing. I would take his athleticism. I would take his feel of the game. I would take his passing over his... I would take that over his shooting any day of the week. I believe Jalen Suggs is going to make a career out of passing. 
And I, I like when I'm, I'm starting to feel about this player, he reminds me of Lamelo Ball coming into the 2020 NBA draft. Remember, he was a streaky shooter. Sure, he was putting his massive games, but it took him a lot of shots. It took him to have to readjust his shot, get comfortable to the NBA level. It reminds me of uh, Alonzo Ball when he was coming out of uh, the draft in this past year, where he's a a streaky shooter too, but a great passer. They're reminding me of Lomel Alonzo Ball. And, And that may sound crazy to some of you guys, but... These guys are not great shooters coming into the NBA, but they transform themselves for their athleticism, for their quickness, for their IQ, for their vision in on the court, and for their incredible passing skills, especially for Lamelo Ball. And then Alonzo Ball being more recognized of that as he's going to be getting a good payday. But I'm not going to say... This is going to happen. I'm just saying, how awesome would that be? And that's comparisons coming to my mind. So the Warriors were interested in trading up for Jalen Suggs. But now we have the flip side. Would the the core free of the Golden State be okay with that? Would Thompson, Curry, and Green be okay with that? They wanted Brad Beal. Brad Beal has not requested a trade. But we're actually going to talk about that where... There are two trades I'm going to talk about that could mess up this entire draft. That could shock everyone. They could spin, that could put um, this draft upside down. But here's the thing. If the Warriors say, you know what, let's go all in on Jalen Suggs. Let's try to get um, the Raptors to budge. We don't need to try to convince the Cavaliers. We don't need to try to get the first overall pick. We don't need to get second overall pick. We need the fourth overall pick. Because I truly believe picks one to three are confirmed. Jalen Suggs is number four. He's going to go number four. He's not going to go up to number seven. He's not going to go that. He's not going to go down that far. He just won't. Because if it's not the Raptors that would draft him, it would be the Magic. Or the funder. Because if I'm if I'm if if I'm the Raptors, I would say, look, how we benefit. How we benefit by having a seventh overall pick and a fourteenth overall pick. And that can lead to different players like um Jonathan Kuminga or uh Kuminga or I'm sorry I don't know how to pronounce your last name or James Booknight or Josh Giddy. Right, it's gonna lead to one of those players, or it can even be uh, Moses Moody. It's really interesting when you break this all down. I truly do believe if the Warriors go up in the draft, fourth overall, they draft Jalen Suggs. I say that would be one of the smartest draft moves they ever made, post Thompson and post Curry. I believe that would be amazing because now you can also get rid of Andrew Wiggins. I'm just saying, why would you need Andrew Wiggins? You can work on him. He's a great passer. Work on Suggs. I was always high about Jalen Suggs for the past month now since really starting to dive into the NBA draft. 
I believe this will be an incredible opportunity for the Warriors if they're able to pull, them off, pull it off. Because it's a win-win situation for the Raptors. They get two new picks and maybe a player exchange. Right? And they're able to say, hey, maybe we can get Moody. Maybe we can get uh, Jonathan. Maybe we can get Giddy. Maybe we can get uh, Book Knight. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. There's a lot of talent. A lot of sneaky talent beyond the first four picks that we need to start recognizing. And I'm actually going to show um, share my mock draft, my second one, uh, comparing the two um, later in this podcast episode. But I, I wanted to bring it up because what should the Warriors do with their first two, uh, two first-round draft picks? Trade them. Trade them. Trade them for the fourth or trade them for Bradley Beal. Honestly. If there's going to be a good time, a good situation to do it, you have two valued draft picks that teams are looking at. I would get the Raptors on the phone. I'd say, draft night. Let's make this happen. We'll send them in on the fourth. You want, you we got what you want. You got what we want. And we can make that exchange happen. We go from there. I actually believe that would sub the Warriors. I believe that would sub the Raptors better. Meaning they'll have another opportunity. Because right now, if you go down to the 14th overall pick, people are thinking that Davon Mitchell is going to go to the uh, Warriors. But if you break down the Raptors, who knows? They could be in play for Mitchell. They can be played for uh, Kaisberg. They can be played for Johnson, Murphy, whoever, right? There's just enough talent like that. But I thought that was interesting to bring up because it's a valid point that this could be coming full circle with the Raptors. Where it started with the picks and James Wiseman, Pascal Siakam, and their fourth overall pick to now saying, well, we want Jalen Suggs. Could that be a part on their list? I think if you want a good point guard or small forward, eh, small forward is relative for him. But... If you want a great passer, I say go on uh, go on in on Jalen Suggs. Offer Wiseman, offer the two picks. I think it will help Wiseman's career out better because Wiseman is not a free-point shooter. You cannot mold his game into that. He's never been that way. Transitioning from high school to college to the pros, it's never been that way. He's never been a mid-range shooter like the Warriors wanted everyone to be. It's, he's not a free-point shooter like you see with our big man. He plays on more traditionally. He brings up Brook Lopez. He does because Brook Lopez, yes, he can shoot the free, but he's not that great at it. He can pull off a few, but it's not like he's... It's because Wiseman's not built like Giannis to where he's able to do every once. He's more built like Brook Lopez with a little more muscle, right? So to me, I say... To get the development of James Wiseman correctly, send him to Toronto. Send him to Washington. Send him anywhere else because I think the Warriors here value Beal or Suggs better. But I believe the Warriors are in a great place right now. And I believe that's something that should be kept in the back of our minds come uh, 5 o'clock today. But I'm, I'm happy that I actually let in two of my... Um, two of my um, actual 
um, um, from the break news section to um, one of my questions for Draft Talk. That's a great transition. That's a great transition. Um, uh, what should we do? Uh, what should we do? I'm actually going to compare my first and second mock draft. Because I believe that's important. Because that's going to set up questions. My other questions that we should be having for this NBA draft. So without further ado, let's go to my first mock draft. And that is, that was posted yesterday, right? Um, Let's do it. If you guys are ready, let's go into it. Detroit, with the first overall pick, the Pistons select Jalen Green. With the second overall pick, Houston Rockets select Chad Cunningham. With the third overall pick, Evan Mobley selected by the Cleveland Cavaliers. With the fourth overall pick, the Toronto Raptors select Jalen Suggs. With the fifth overall pick, uh, the Magic select Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, with the sixth overall pick, the OKC Thunder uh, selects James Booknight. With the seventh overall pick, uh, Golden State Warriors select Scott Barnes. Um, with the eighth overall pick, the Orlando Magic select Moses Moody. With the ninth overall pick, the Sacramento Kings select Zari Williams. And then with the 10th overall pick, the Memphis Grizzlies, who traded with the Pelicans to get just a swap uh, draft picks, to get the 10th overall pick, selects Josh Giddy. Look, I'm, uh, these, are mock, these are mock drafts. My mock drafts are going to set the boundaries of there's going to be no trades. There's going to be no trades. This is going to be no trades where teams are just going to be selected. But if there were trades to happen, I believe it would happen with the fourth overall pick. But Suggs stay the same, right? I would actually think Scott Barnes would be good for Toronto or Moody, right? Just spitball, right? Or even um, uh, Josh Giddy. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But that was my first. Mock draft and my second mock draft is actually airing today at eleven. Um, um, a lot of bit a few uh three hours after this podcast episode releases. But here we go. So my second mock draft is kind of switching it up, but not really. But here we go. The first overall pick, Chad Cunningham. Second overall pick, Jalen Green. Third overall pick, Evan Mobley. Fourth overall pick, Jalen Suggs. Fifth overall pick, Scotty Barnes. Uh, uh, Sixth overall pick, Jonathan Kuminga. Kuminga, Or uh, I'm just going to call him Jonathan. You guys know who I'm referring to. Seventh overall pick, James Booknight. Eighth overall pick, Alpern Sengon. Um, He's a center out of Turkey. Ninth overall pick, Isaiah Jackson. And 10th overall pick, Josh Giddy. So pretty much, the uh, there was like only a few things that changed. I actually want to address real quick. I actually just want to compare that. So Jalen Green went second and Chad Cunningham went first. Um, and then we see we have uh, Josh Giddy went 10th. Isaiah Jackson went over... Zari Williams, 
for the king section. Uh, Alpern Singun went over Moses uh, Moody because, yeah, M- Moody, I just have him selected over him. James Booknight uh, was actually selected 7th, not 6th, which, it, yeah, so Jonathan went 5th on my first mock draft, but Jonathan went 6th on my second one, which is interesting. Scott Barnes, uh, Scotty Barnes, went 5th overall to the Orlando Magic instead of 8th overall to the Orlando, uh, I'm sorry. Um, 7th overall to the Golden State Warriors. And this will make a lot more sense if you get, when you guys see the mock drafts and whatnot, when they're officially published, my second one. But it's interesting. And that actually sets me up for our next question would be, why, who, so who's going to go no one overall? Green or Cunningham? The majority of people, fans, experts, peer putting together mock drafts, people overwhelmingly says Cunningham. And look, as much as I like Green, and trust me, I do, I believe Green should be the first overall pick. I think it should go to Cunningham. Cunningham is just dangerous. He scored 20 points per game, free assistant, one steal. The thing that I liked better um, about Cunningham over, um, what do you call him, uh, Green, is the fact that we saw um, a slight difference in in scoring, meaning his sh- Cunningham's shooting was much better. That is without a question. Just from the free point range, he was five percent better. Why? Uh, because he took a hundred and thirty-six frees. He converted forty-one percent of them. Green convert uh, converted thirty-six percent and a half on eighty-five attempted frees. Um. To me. To me, Green's interesting. He Green is more of a, permi- a perimeter shooting type guy, where Cunningham is able to have off the ball defense, is able to have that perimeter shooting, but he's also had that able to have that interior scoring, but he's also able to dictate the tempo of the game, of the offensive game. It's like when you look at him. You would compare him to a veteran point guard. He will... People say... People say that he will be dominant with the pick and roll. He, I believe he has a great feel for the game. And he has great footwork. I believe he has, he has divisive... Like, very good deceiving... Um, dribble moves... Footwork, elusiveness. I believe he has that. He is able to have great defense. He has a great mentality. He his scoring abilities are like a first overall pick. When you're able to dictate the tempo of a game like a point guard and able to attack the basket and shoot anywhere from the court like a shooting guard, that makes you a versatile player. That makes you a great offensive player. That makes you a great first overall pick. And he's able to play good defense. 
He can play off the ball defense. Now, can he play on the ball defense? I think he can. I think he can. Just, I, I think he can. Because he could play man-to-man. He could play man-to-man. There is no question like that. If you need him to pop tight, he'll pop tight. The one thing that does concern me that shouldn't be a concern is passing. That's one of the things that I'm reading right now from all these different sites. But one of them would be from The Ringer, right? Where they're talking about how he's just not able to be expanding what he knows on the off the dribble, right? He doesn't have many too many dribble moves and which could keep um limited when he's trying to have that ball. So he can have double teams on him and he may never know how to get out of that. He may have a he may have a Drew Holder Patrick Beverly on him. And he may not know how to get out of it at that moment. But I do believe he'll be able to smooth that over because if he's able to if he's able to shoot off the catch, if he's able to catch and shoot all day, hoo-hoo, I'll take that all week and twice on Sunday. Truly. Because look, I would take a guy that has great shooting, great stride, great rhythm of the game, um, who has great defense and offensive capabilities over one flaw, which would be dribbling and passing, or two flaws, really. And those are critical flaws. But with every single player, there's going to have to be improvement. We're not going to find out one perfect player, except for Gudoncic. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. But besides those guys, uh, Larry Bird. But besides those guys, um, there's going to be flaws with these guys. Chad Cunningham had, does have his flaws. But the one thing he has over, um, two things that he has over Jalen Green, you ready? Um, good defense and interior scoring. Um... Jalen Green is a great second overall pick, but the problem is his passing is choppy. He's a streaky shooter, especially off the catch, but the one thing that I do like about him, he invites to contact. He invites to contact. He He's a crafty finisher at the rim. He wants to make sure that he's able to finish it. He's able to have a good step back. Dribbling is much better for Green than it is for who oh, we call him, Chad Cunningham. And that's not even close. He's he he's a athletic, uh, a, he's an athletic uh, basketball player. that's able to hit consistent jumpers. Is able to drive within the lane with or without the ball. But when he does have the ball, he's actually more. Um, forceful, more reckoning when you're actually looking. Um, to if you say to him, drive to the hoop, he'll drive to the hoop with contact. He wants contact. He's a physical type of guy. If he's not getting contact, and if he's not finishing right, then he knows something's wrong. But he, I believe, if you give him about two to three years, maybe even maybe just in two years. He could be a guy that can score all over the court and he's able to play a huge role in someone's offense. I believe he's a great second overall pick point guard. 
and while I'm trying to collect my thoughts here, it's like Chad Cunningham. It could is going to benefit the Pistons better. Just the passing and the and the dribbling could become a concern. But Jeremiah Grant, different guys like that, Sadiq Bay, Kellen Hayes, can help him with that because they have some they have some pretty big dudes that can set the pick and roll, get them that catch and shoot um, type rim going. But it's also when you break it down, the Pistons may not be able to use uh, Jalen Green. Here's why: if he's a streaky shooter and he's still trying to find his touch. In basketball, with shooting, especially off the catch and shoot, especially when he's trying to make good offensive plays, I would. And he's not able to score around all around the court right now, and only around the perimeter and take jumpers. I think the problem is is that he'll be. You guys will be very limited, and I don't think he'll develop or grow well into his role with Detroit. I think Cunningham would be better. That's why my second mock draft. Showed him over Jalen Green because when you actually break it down, it's a lot different. It's a lot more technical. It's a lot more interesting when it's broken down because we're now seeing the flaws of both men. And I'm not saying these guys have to be perfect. That would be, that would be idiocy of me. I would, I would be pretty much painting myself as a moron because these guys are going to have issues. But if I'm in Detroit Pistons, I would take Cunningham because I would take Cunningham over Green due to the fact that one's better shooting, one's better creating shots, one's more comfortable in that offensive setting. Or if they were, he can drop 20 to 30 points per game, I believe. Give them two to three years, sure. Give both men two to four years, I believe they'll be fitting great in their role and will be exceeding expectations. But between the debate of Cunningham or Green, um, I think you have to do Cunningham. I like Green a lot. I believe he has tons of talent. But when it comes down to two men and what will work for the Detroit Pistons, I'm going to say take the non-streaky shooter. Take the more comfortable shooter, the guy that's able to create his own shots, the guy that has more defensive attributes, the guy that has more consistency with the ball, athleticism. If we can, if we can control his dribbling and expand his knowledge of how to dribble and how to get past different defenders, I think that'll create huge benefits. But the but that's the one thing that I love about um, NBA draft classes when they go to. It just I love how players develop and who they cannot develop. That may sound strange, but I like how a player can be an all time bomb in one person's eyes, but then when you see him develop, it's like whoa! It was like Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Was a ooh, the Bucks got lucky for one, but and whoever drafted him could have said they were lucky. But the way that the Bucks developed him, the way the Bucks grew him into his role with the team, when they said, "Look, you can be something now after two years of working on you. You just gotta keep on going. You gotta keep on working." And they just kept going into the lab. They kept testing him. They tried to do different things with him. 
And it was just trial and error with him, but it worked. And he turned to his master thing. Now, I'm not saying these guys are going to turn to Giannis. I'm not saying you're going to turn to the next LeBron, next Kobe, next MJ. No, I'm not saying that at all. But when I like to see that development because the right team with the right player can do so many dangerous things. It is a great weapon to have with a shadow down my mind. And that's why, truly, I believe Chad Cunningham, looking at the uh, pros and cons, should go number one. I truly, truly do believe that. Um, besides that, I'd like to know what your guys' feelings are on that. Because, obviously, we're all going to have different, but from what I heard about the majority of fans and majority of experts and people putting together these things... They're saying Cunningham, and I have to agree with the majority on this one because it just looks like more that the Pistons can work with, able to work with in their first, second, third year, able to see something. Because I don't want to come to a point where they draft Green, but after his rookie contract is up, they will not be able to use him anymore. They're like, oh, we just wasted our first overall pick in four years on this guy. And even if none of these guys are a franchise player, they can still provide great, great attributes, great, great skill sets to that team to make them better, to improve them. And we all know that Detroit needs that badly. Plus, true, plus two, I think Jalen Green will fit better with the Rockets. I truly believe that with John Wall, Christian Wood, uh, Eric Gordon, and whoever else they have on there, would fit amazingly, right? But that's my feelings on that. Now, now here's the thing I, I want everybody to understand. You don't need to be a first-rounder to make a name of yourself. What do I mean by that? You don't always need to go in the first round to be someone. Let me bring up a few examples. Marcus Saul, Nikhil Jokic, who just won the MVP, Draymond Green, multi-time NBA champion. Um, uh, who else? Lou, Lou Williams. Tony Kukoc. Chris Middleton. Yeah, Chris Middleton. Um, Malcolm Brogdon. Dennis Rodman. Uh, Montrez Harrell. Danny Green. DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Kyle Korver. Uh, I'm just saying. When we're breaking it down, there's a lot of, and that's just some of them. That's not all of them, but when you see multi-time champions are just earning their first ring now, like Chris Middleton, not everybody needs to go in the first round to be a great player or be a good player or help your team win, for that matter. Second-round players are just as vital, just as important, and I think we lost reality on that. But when I see Nikhil Jokic, MVP winner, when I see Chris Middleton uh, just got crowned a champion alongside Giannis, when I see uh, Tony Kukoc, game winner um, in a playoff series for the Chicago Bulls that was gearing them towards uh, NBA Finals trophy, when we saw all these different guys, they've made a name for themselves, and it's incredible. So the one player... I believe the one sleeper that could be a late round steal. Are you ready? It's Moses Wright. But you might be saying to yourself, who is Moses Wright? 
He is a power forward and or center. He's six foot nine, weighs two hundred and thirty three pounds. He plays for Georgia Tech. His big board ranking is sixty six. Now wait a minute. Do you want to know the averages? He averaged for the 2020-21 season, he averaged 17 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, 1 one to 2 blocks per game, and shot 41% from the free, a point area. I think that would be amazing. This is a formerly unranked prospect that finished his four years in college by earning ACC Player of the Year honors and claiming a spot on the league's all-defensive team. He, right, is become, right when I'm looking at him, is going to be an all-around player. He has great shooting. He's a, he's a good shooter. He has good passing skills. He's a great defender. He can lock you down. I actually believe he's been becoming a more and more productive defender. In, in Because in every single college season and four years really that he played in, his three-point shooting ability and his um, de- and being a great defender has been improving year by year. And every time we watch him, every time we break him down, It's like, wow, he has NBA talent defensively. He can be a 6'9", three-point shooter. He can easily average 15 to 20 points a game. And to me, and to me, I believe this is a very good sleeper. Because imagine if someone drafted him. Imagine if someone picked up him. Now, the only hesitancy... That we have is is his questionable shooting mechanics. How he actually shoots the ball. But besides that and his pick and roll defense. Besides those two issues. We should be gold. Because when you look at him. The athleticism is there. His track record of improvement each and every season. Offensively and defensively. Hasn't been improving greatly. Has been showing great promise. And I'm actually surprised no one's really been talking about Moses Wright. Not again, I'm confused with Moses Moody. Who's going to go within the top uh, 12 picks. Hoping to go within the top 10, right? But look, Moses Wright. When I heard about him. When I've seen. When I heard great things about him. And how he was the number one sleeper. That's my number one sleeper. That's my number one guy that I want to draft if I'm in the second round and I want to pick up a center or a power forward. Do you know how insanely amazing that would be? Do you know how, um, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a full-fledged starter, but imagine in year five that he's actually cranking out, or let's just say year three, he's cranking out starting minutes. He's become a full-time starter. He's being very active and productive and efficient for that team, for whatever team he plays for. But imagine that. Just imagine that. And all seeing people really do understand Moses right. His pro comparison is Bobby Portis. Look. I don't, I don't find Bobby Portis to be an amazing basketball player, but he won a ring, and he became very crucial, became very critical to that 
organization to the Milwaukee Bucks organization. But let me tell you this. If we're looking at this guy, sure, we can say his weaknesses are that his career 60% free throw. He's a 60% free throw shooter. Look, he's not the greatest passer in the world, but he's a good passer. He told 61 more turnovers than assistant college. That's not good. But I think he can improve upon that. Personally, I think he's a dynamic defensive man. I think if he plays center or power forward, he can adjust to anything. I think he's so dynamic. I think he's so with it on the defensive side that you can't stop him. You can't stop him. I truly do believe that. He, he can defend in space. He has great mobility. He can fill gaps. He has great instincts when he wants to block the shot. He those, those instincts actually help him contest shots better, protect the rim more, and able just to lock down their opponents more, getting their hands up and saying, no, 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 not in my house. We're doing it my style, my way. And for me, the biggest potential that he has is floor spacing. So, for Georgia Tech, I would be saying, look at his forward. Look at his center. Moses Mo- Moses Wright is something that you want to have on your team. I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at everything. Um, 2017 uh, season, he played in 25 games. He averaged... Uh, he scored 91 points, right? 2018 season, he averaged, hey, I'm sorry, he got 201 points. In 2019 season, he averaged four, I'm sorry, not average. I don't know why he's going to average, but he tallied 403 points. In 2022, 2020 season, he gained 32 plus points. He got 435 how significant is that? And that's his that's just his career shooting numbers. How significant is that? He's gone back to back seasons shooting fifty over fifty percent from the field. Um to me that's amazing. To me that's amazing. He averaged seventeen points per game. Prior season thirteen points per game. I truly do believe that's amazing. I to me, to me truly, this is the guy. I'm not gonna keep trying to prove this right here, but I'm like, go on the defensive end. Go on the defensive end. He had 41 blocks in the 2020 season. He had 35 blocks in 2019 season. So, in back-to-back seasons, he was over 30 blocks, uh, total. He he had 201 rebounds 2020 season. 2019 season, 216, right? It just kept getting better. And let me just tell you this. Um, he was only playing between 25 and 31 games per season. The lowest he's ever played is 25 games. The highest he ever played was 31. There was only two times in his career, one time in his career that he played, for, uh, two times in his career that he played 30 games to 31 games. That was 2018-2019. 2017, 2020 was 25 games. But I can see where uh, people are drawn to comparisons of Bobby Portis. But I say take him. I say take him as the guy.
I truly do mean that. Because I believe he would bring value to your team that you didn't think of before. I truly, truly do believe that. I don't know if anybody else feels about uh, feels about the way that I feel about him as a basketball player, as a second rounder. Even if he went undrafted, I would be shocked by that, but I would still pick him up. I would be like, you know what? Let's try you out. Let's give you a multi-year contract, a rookie contract. Let's go test you out. So if I'm someone, if I'm team, if I'm teams in the second round, I would go get him. I would go get him within the 40th or 50th pick, and somewhere in that range, or maybe even sooner than that. But I would not draft him in the first round, but in the second round, late second round, mid second round, early second round, whatever second round you want to put in. I believe that's going to be the most beneficial to your team, especially if he's coming off the second unit, because not everything has to be stats. You can be impactful by not impacting your stats, by not stuffing your stats. You can actually be a better player that way. Monty Williams had a pep talk about that to DeAndre Ain. He's like, you don't have to be on a statistic end. You can impact your team by setting good pick and rules, by getting open in the paint, by getting rebounds, by being more aggressive, more physical, more with it. And he was saying that during the Milwaukee Bucks series in the NBA Finals, right? And I believe Moses Wright can be a great second unit. I would give him a chance. I would sign him, put him in the summer league. So you know what? Let's try you out. Let's see what you got. And that's my take on it. Personally, I think this tech, uh, Georgia Tech um, player can be something very, very significant. Looking at his strengths, looking at his weaknesses, I take his strengths over his weaknesses any day of the week. Because the funny thing is, is that Giannis is not a good free throw shooter. But he still gets by. So I'm not worried much as the free throws. Uh, but what I am worried about the passing. But if you're center, you're not going to go all Jokic like. And you're not going to be like a point guard Jokic where you're passing all the time. That's not what I'm expecting. I don't believe that's what the expectation should be. Go for his physicality. Go for his athleticism. Go for his rebounding abilities. Go for his defensive abilities. Go for his offensive abilities. I think if we look at the strengths more than the cons, I believe, or pros better than the cons, I believe we look past those obstacles and we try to get past them. I think he's easily a mid, early to mid second rounder. I truly believe that. And there's nothing anybody can say to me that can change his mind or my mind. So that's that's who I have. That's who I have as my late, as my one sleeper player that that could be a late round steal, and that is Moses Wright. Okay, we talked about two potential trades that can throw the entire NBA draft in disarray, and here are they now. They are featuring. But before I get to those, I know we were talking about Portland and whatnot. I get where people are coming from, but I'm going to exclude Portland from this, even though that could turn the NBA upside uh, upside down. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm actually looking at something different. I'm actually looking at something different. You, you want to know? If the Warriors go all in for Bradley Beal, and I'm looking on CBSSports.com right now, and I actually agree with this to some extent, to some extent. 
I'd rather see the Raptors and Warriors have a trade. But if the Warriors could get Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans, what would we have to get up, give up? This is what CBS Sports thinks that would be turning the entire NBA world upside down in this draft just by the simple trade of the Wizards would be getting Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, 2021 uh, 7th overall pick and uh, 14th overall pick and then 2022 second rounder. Is that a lot for David Davis Bertans and Brad Beal? Personally, I think it's worth for um, Brad Beal. And I also think for Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans actually has a lot of um, a lot of good things about him. He he was not fully healthy. He had his moments. He was inconsistent this season. This he shot poorly from the field the first time in his entire career. But I believe David Bertans Davis Bertans will be something. He is a power forward and center. So I guess what they're saying is, well, we got Davis Bertans. He's 28 years old. He's proven more than James Wiseman. Get rid of Wiseman. Get rid of Wiggins. Sub Balin for Wiggins and Bertans in for Wiseman. And we're able to still have the 7th overall pick and 14th overall pick. That would be huge. The Warriors will be getting what they want, but also... The Wizards will be getting stuff and more. And more. How significant is that? That would be... That would be one of the crazy things happen. If that happened be, um, during the draft. If that happened during the draft. Or a few hours before the draft. They made official during the draft. I find that significant. Because the Wizards franchise star. Bradley Beal has been... On the top of the Warriors wish list. They wanted that. They wanted that to add to Curry, Thompson, and Green. They they wanted to make it clear that if they got Beal, they won the win in their championship. I believe they give up their two uh, first round draft picks and a 2022 second round draft pick. And two good basketball players. I believe Brad Beal is worth that. I like James Wiseman, but I'm happy he'll be getting out of Golden State if that ever actually happened. And I've never been a fan of Andrew Wiggins. At times, he can have good games, and there are a lot of times he cannot. And it also shapes up to be something completely different. Who would the Wizards draft at that point? Because they're trying to get rid of Russell Westbrook. But looking at this, you only load Brad Beal and Davis Bertans. You load their contracts, their salaries. You get James Wiseman. Maybe you can work Russell Westbrook and James Wiseman. Maybe you can work Russell Westbrook, James Wiseman, and Andrew Wiggins with Roy Hachimori and all of their different guys. That would be incredible. And who they draft? Who they draft for the 7th and 14th overall pick? They could also try to trade those. But it's going to be int- intriguing what the Warriors will have to do if they have to add anything else. To swing the deal. But I like where CBS Sports is coming from with this trade. With this trade proposal. With this trade rumor, right? I I would say Davis Bertans would be better than Andrew Wiggins. If we're looking at it. But I think if there was a trade that was going to satisfy both sides. It would be this. 
The Wizards would definitely be getting more, but this could put the Warriors at a better chance to win a championship. I don't think Andrew Wiggins worked. I don't think when they had D'Lo for the short amount of time that they did have him, it worked. I think Beal would be amazing, but it also comes down to how everybody would be splitting up the ball, how we'd be managing the possession. Curry's obviously going to take the majority of the shots. Then Thompson, and then Beal, and then Green, right? But then that leaves room to what are they going to do to Kelly Oubre? I think Kelly Oubre is gone. I think they're just going to get rid of Kelly Oubre. I don't think Kelly Oubre should go back to the Warriors. Because I also believe this. You'll have more luck and more success with with Al Wiggins. Truly. I believe having Beal will push your team. I believe having Bertons will push your team too. I believe those two players will push your guys past it. Imagine that core five. Just imagine Beal, Curry, Thompson, Green, and Bertons. Wherever you want to situate it. However you want to line up the starting five. But that would be a scary starting five. Could that get them back to NBA Finals form? Or at least with getting out of the playing tournament and getting back under control? It would be interesting. But the Wizards will obviously win that trade just because of the added assets. But both sides will be respectfully satisfied. But that would be something that would... Uh, but that would be a potential trade that could just throw the entire NBA draft in disarray. I truly believe that. Now, moving on to the second, the second overall pick. I mean, the second potential trade that could throw the entire NBA draft in disarray. The Suns and Magic trade. What great backup this would help for DeAndre Ayn. So, again, on CBS Sports, I saw it was interesting. The Suns would trade Jay Crowder to the Orlando Magic, but get Mobamba and the 33rd pick in the 2021 NBA Draft. Mobamba would be a great addition for... The backup of DeAndre Ayn, able to fulfill that more, able to succeed in that more. I believe that would just be absolutely phenomenal because with the Sun shipping Jay Crowder to Orlando, it will give the Magic a starter on the wing and it will be a great backup center for the Suns, for DeAndre Ayn, because Mo Bamba's not bad. Mo Bamba's not bad at all, but Still, he's 23 years old. He averages 8 points a game, 5 rebounds, and barely 1 assist, right? This is the best season he's had. This is all career territory for him. He has to get more consistent in shooting, but look. I'm not in favor of getting rid of Jay Crowder. He was a big success in some of the postseason games that we had. I don't want that, but if we can get a good backup for DeAndre Ayn, that would be perfect. But it's also have to take into account of akin to this. What if? What if will Robert Sarver pay all the guys because of because theoretically no one has to leave? They could sign Ayn 
Bridges and Paul all to extensive contracts and be okay money. It just depends if the franchise, if Robert Sarver wants to pay. But the ball is in Chris Paul's court. Mikel Bridges is going to be easy to lock back up. It just comes down if you want DeAndre or not. Will you give him that extension after having a truly good one season? Having one true good season. Could that work? But that's going to be interesting. We know what the stakes of these two trades will happen. But it also give the Suns an extra draft pick. But it also um, be interesting in giving up Crowder. I wouldn't want to give up Crowder though. But giving the ability to add a backup while also adding a pick would even help this out even better. Because imagine them getting the number 34 pick. They could get something like Moses Wright for for fun of it. For fun of it. But to me personally, when looking at all of this, those would be two uh, traits that would throw this draft into complete disarray. Taking out the Portland situation. Now, if Portland wanted to get tricky and say, you know what? Or Frisky Rower, get let's go all in with the New York Knicks. Let's get like different players like Adobe Toppin, like um, RJ Barrett, like Emmanuel Quickly, like Mitchell Robinson, like all the draft picks. Because the Knicks have the 19th and 21st overall draft pick in this year's draft. And then you have to throw in a few more. But would there just be enough for Damian Lord? Or you could offer Damian Lord and CJ McCollum. Try to get that and try to really go in for a young core. I don't know. But just taking out Portland and the Knicks and different things like that. Mainly Portland. Taking out the Trailblazers. I think those two uh, trades, potential trades right there would throw the entire draft into complete disarray. Taking out Portland, taking out those circumstances. The Wizards Warriors trade would be more effective, would be more moving than the Suns trade, but still, for Suns fans, for uh Magic fans, or any fan in general just watching the draft, you would tell that it would still throw the draft into different scenarios now with that 33rd pick and who would be drafting different things like that. So I would definitely keep an eye on on that. Now, finally, we're getting we're getting into this. So my top five picks in this draft are Chad Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and Scotty Barnes. I'm I want to break down the top five picks in the draft. Who are they taking? Like, like. Taking out all the trades, I just want to break down these guys and the skill set, like the like the pros and the cons. We're I'm gonna take off, um, I'm gonna take off Jalen Green. I I, I don't know because we already talked about Chad Cunningham. We talked about uh Jalen Green, right? Because Jalen Green, we were talking about for. Uh, what's the word? What's the word? For the first overall pick, like we discussed the pros and the cons. Like who would we rather have? Would we rather have Green first overall pick or Cunningham first overall pick for Detroit Pistons, right? But how do I want how do I want to say this? So taking out Green and Cunningham, because we already talked about them, that leaves us Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. I believe those guys are the top five picks in this draft.
Chilling. Chilling. Without a shadow of a doubt, Scotty and Barnes may throw you guys in a disarray, may make you guys scoff at me, but here's the thing. I don't really care because I truly do believe Scotty Barnes is really good because he's projected to go within the first five picks. Even if he got bumped down to the seventh or ninth overall pick, I don't care. I think he's better than Josh Giddy. I, I'm just going to say it. Looking at everything right now, I think I just think Scotty Barnes would be better. And looking at all of it, I'm going to start with Scotty Barnes since we're talking about it, is this. Everybody thinks Orlando's going to be taking him. But here's the thing. Here's what I want, here's what I want to put on. His great, he's a defensive player. That's who he is. His free throws are terrible. He shoots 60%, even though he only attempted 64, right? He has four assists per game, only two turnovers per game. Uh, 30 point percentages go around 30%. He's 19 years old. He's averaging 11 points per game. But what really draws me to Scotty uh, Barnes that would be very, very useful and vital to his Orlando Magic team as they're trying to rebuild would be his on-the-ball defense, his off-the-ball defense, like his defense entirely, his defensive rebound, offensive rebound, Rebounding in general be, would be amazing. And his elite hustle, uh, he he can have good, tremendous playmaking skills. He's, all he needs to do is just to reach his full potential. It's just to improve his shot, improve his jump shot. He has a great physical uh, personality on the court. He, he has a huge wingspan. He's six foot seven, two twenty five. He has winning qualities with versatile defense. He has a great playmaking ability. He he can be that floor general. He can be a playmaking threat to handoffs, to dribbling, to pick and rolls, to setting the floor, to opening the floor, to hitting guys. Um. To across court in the corner free shooters. He can even hit alley oops. He's an active offensive rebounder. To to me, you need a hustler on that team. You need a guy to say, I can play defense. I value defense. To me, defense wins championships. To me, having defensively active players, having the IQ aware basketball players are amazing. I believe he he's a nightmare when he's able to open up the court and able to advance it down and able to split through the lane and able to score. I believe he's able to he's able to be a mismatch. Like cause who's gonna be able to stop him? He could be like a mini camera pain where no one can stay in front of him. Just with more like with more better traits because he's a great passer like Cameron Payne. He needs to get more consistent with his shooting, like Cameron Payne, to reach his full potential. Cameron Payne can play good defense, but with Scotty Barnes, he can play elite defense. I mean elite. He's the best defender of his entire draft class. I truly mean that. You would have to make a pretty good argument to take Evan Mobley over Scotty Barnes defensively. 
the rebounding, the energy, the hustle. That's what you want to see in a top five draft pick. And if I'm the Orlando Magic, I would say, Scotty Barnes, you're getting drafted. Because the first four picks to me are settled. Whether the Warriors are going to be in the fourth overall uh, fourth overall pick or not, I don't care. The fourth, The first four uh, selections are going to be one of like uh, Suggs, Mobley, Green, Cunningham. But the fir- fifth overall pick, it could be changed. It could be Scotty Barnes. It could be uh, James Bucknight. It could be Josh Giddy. But I believe Scott Bar- Scotty Barnes, out of Florida State, who's a dominant forward, to me, a dominant power forward, I would take fifth. Hands down, he's a player that would be amazing to build around defensively. Amazing to have that energy in the locker rooms. And I, I truly, truly do believe that. I'm not just saying that just to include him on the list. I truly believe weighing out his pros and his cons, I believe his skill set is just elite on the, on the defensive side. And he's going to reach his full potential shooting-wise. But he has great playmaking skills and great defensive skills, which we love to see in a player. Or at least I do. And I know that shooting is going to come close to him. I know it's going to reach his full potential. Give him two to four years. Give him till his contract's over when he's drafted the fifth, with the fifth overall pick, hopefully. I truly believe he's going to be one of the top NBA players in the league defensively and potentially offensively. I truly believe that. And speaking about Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley, to me, is one of the greatest centers in this draft class. He averages 16 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, and 3 blocks per game. He's a great interior scorer. He's able to control that paint. He really is. He's able to control the paint. The pain is his. Plus, he's 7 feet tall, 19 years old, weighs about 250. Um, This is an easy pick for the Cavaliers. I've been talking about this for a while while now, but his on-the-ball defense, especially in the paint, is amazing. This allows for him to able to just be a great defender, elite defender. He's a two-way big. He's able to play great defense and have good offense. He's he's a go-to scorer in the paint. He's a go-to defensive guy in the paint. He's seven feet tall. He has muscle on him. He has great shot blocking abilities. A great all-around defensive player. I believe even without even without being off, he's a great off-the-ball defender too. I would say that the paint is his. The paint will always be his. He's a great, it just has an all defensive upside that's very rare for a big. He's better than Kevin Love now. If I had a chance between him and Kevin Love, I would pick him 10 out of 10 times um, over Kevin Love. I truly do believe that. He's an impactful as impactful defensive players can be. He can defend the perimeter like no one has ever seen before. He's a rim protector, a perimeter protector, a paint protector, 
And I don't care what they do. Whatever Cleveland does with Colin Sexton. Uh, Kevin Love. It looks like they're going to move Kevin Love in a $60 million contract for sure. Colin Sexton is still up in the air. But this is the pick. He is rightfully so the third overall pick. He just has to transition greatly into the NBA. Now. Um, now it will be it will be interesting. His his body frame. I said he had some muscle, but he does not have Giannis muscle nor have Giannis muscle, Giannis muscle or Jokic muscle. It's going to be a physical battle. It's going to be like he's trying to climb up a hill up going up. Um, against Joel Beat, against Nikhil Jokic, against Giannis, against different guys like that. I would actually see him have a struggle against those guys until he can really put on some muscle, be more physical, right? But here's the thing. He's not an advanced player in the low post, but because of his height, he's able to be ready and be able to dunk on anybody and able to move him out of the way. He's not a great three-point shooter. He's not a great free throw shooter. He's not the greatest. He does not have tightened handles. He's not the greatest dribbler. But defensively and in the paint, come on, that's a win-win. I would take him all day long. I truly do believe that. I truly, truly, truly do believe that. I believe over time, his his negatives can pan out, will smooth out, where his positives will shine brighter than ever. Truly. And I, I truly believe him. And I'm not just saying that just to say because I like Evan Mobley. But I believe he's one of the top centers. He's the center. The center. T-H-E center in uh, this 2021 NBA draft class. I would. I, I believe Scotty Barnes and... And uh, Evan Mobley are the top five within the top five picks if they get drafted within that range or better. Or better. I think those two guys, I'll ask Chad Cummington or Cummingham, Suggs, Green, any of them. Any of those three guys. So I think, I think it's amazing. I think what Evan Mobley can do, what he's proven on his college level. Now he's just got to transition that to the NBA. I don't think it's going to be that hard. I truly, truly don't. Because if when a guy's averaging three blocks a game and eight rebounds per game, 16 points per game, come on. I, I, I like I like my chances there. I like those odds. I like my odds a lot with him. Here's the thing. Jalen sucked. Getting to our last player, then wrapping up the podcast and whatnot. Suggs, 14 points, 4 assists, and almost 3 steals per game. He's 6'4", 205, 19 years old. He's a freshman. These guys, he is a guard, point guard. And with Kyle Lowry on his way out, it looks that way. He would be an amazing player to be the point guard of that Toronto Raptors team. He has a great feel for the game. He's comfortable with the game. He understands the game. Like everyone else within the first five picks. Playmaking, that's him. That's him. 
He knows how to shoot. He knows how to drive. He knows how to make those hustle plays like fast breaks. He knows how to take the ball up court. He knows how to space the court. He knows how to get guys open. He knows how to create his own shots. He knows how to get guys to get their own shots, to get guys in the corner, get guys on the wing, get guys on the paint, right? His athleticism is amazing. I believe he's an NBA-ready player if he can if he can transition. I believe he has a very good IQ, high IQ. I believe it could be something huge for the team if Kyle Lowry is deciding not to go back to the Raptors, which just does not look to be that way. And this decisive playmaker can take care of the ball, do what he does, hopefully get in the starter role with huge starting minutes. And like I said, he's he's a he's able gonna be able to space the court. He's gonna be able to control the court, control the tone. He's gonna be able to see uh he's gonna be able to see and create his own passes, create his own to opportunities, which many NBA point guards can't do at such a young level. And if this nineteen year old can come in and drop like Lamel Ball dimes or Nikhil Jokic dimes or um Chris Paul dimes or whomever else, that would be significant. And that's not that's an under and that's an understatement if you guys not feel the same way because this 19-year-old Gonzaga is amazing. He deserves to be drafted by the Raptors or Warriors at the fourth overall with the fourth overall pick. He is a speedy player. He has athleticism for days, but he's also able to change gears. He's able to get in two different mindsets. He's able to get in two different modes. If you need him to go attack the pain, he'll do that. He'll beat you. He'll beat you with that first step. He'll go do it. He's ready for the challenge. He's able to have the awareness, to have that quick first step, to have that lateral quickness, to have that awareness as he's driving down the lane to kick it out to someone else if the uh, defense is collapsing on said player. They're able to kick it out to the wing, kick it out to the uh, top of the key, to the corner for corner shots, right? He's, he's just an intelligent guy with or without the ball. He's a lock-in defender. He can stare down guys man-to-man, keep those guys at bay, and just make their lives miserable. And I don't even... And I don't even regret that. He's, he's a better passer than shooter. But throughout time, like all of these guys, with all their flaws, with all their needed improvements, he's going to have time. He's going to have the chance, the opportunity to become a better shooter, to become a better decision maker when shooting that ball, able to catch and shoot the ball better, able to come off the pick and roll better, especially as a shooter, right? So in terms of that, I actually believe the sky is the limit passing-wise, but then we need to break that glass ceiling shooting-wise. But overall, these guys, these players are solid, solid players. And we should be, uh, we should just be very, very cautious on how everyone is drafted. And with that being said, with Jalen Suggs being the last guy, we accomplished a lot. I multitasked a lot on players I saw. We're going to go within the first five picks. 
breaking down the first five first five guys I believe should go should ugh, who should go within the first five selections. We talked about Warriors, interesting trade breakdowns that could happen. We also were breaking down how there could be a big trades that can happen within the NBA draft that could change the dynamic of that draft. We we also talked about Moses Wright, who could be the ultimate sleeper of that draft. And I'm not that's not an understatement. I I, I actually believe that wholeheartedly. I we also talked about the the great debate of Green or Cunningham, first overall pick. We discussed everything. And now this is when this recording goes live in the morning on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and wherever else you get your podcast. We will be seeing at five o'clock today, Arizona time or eight PM East Coast time. We will be seeing history being made with these players getting drafted to their respected teams. I see this as a huge deal. Remember, go on the courtsheat.com while you're on the mobile or desktop uh, device and just uh, keep refreshing or refresh itself on just keeping up with the draft with every single selection. Or I recommend going to twitter.com slash courtsheat and able just to see pick-by-pick live updates with some of our reactions. But it's going to be very fast-paced. We will know the first five picks we will know the first ten picks most de- most likely. I'm gonna release uh the mock draft at eleven. The second one, I'm gonna release one more. But besides that, I think that's all. I think we covered it. I think we covered everything. There's not one thing I cannot think of. There's gonna be a lot of surprises. There could be a lot of shockers in there. We have sixty picks to go through. We're going to be there for a few hours, right? We're just going to be going for the experience. We're going to be seeing what these teams have in store, what these players have in store when drafted. Um, October 19th is the regular season. The 2022 draft starts on June 21st. But today, tonight is the night of the NBA draft. I've been excited for this one. I've been talking about the draft on the podcast for so many days now from so many podcast episodes it is truly amazing remember twitter.com slash courtsayheat um you'll be able to catch up on all the updates during the nba draft we'll also be breaking down courtsayheat.com um also we'll be going pick by pick on just announcing the uh one through 60 right we just do that on twitter and on our website And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we are concluding this podcast episode and we'll continue our live coverage of the NBA draft starting at 4 p.m. Going right to the end, going right to the very end of the 60th pick. And then we'll join you guys again here 8 a.m. Friday talking about the NBA draft, recapping for the NBA draft, and our expectations heading into the next season with these players. With all that being said, I'll catch you guys on social media tonight. It's going to be a blast. I hope everybody tunes in to ABC, ESPN, ESPN, ESPN2. It's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see, I can't wait to have conversations with you guys. 
Can't wait to break everything down. It's going to be exciting, and I cannot wait. See you guys listening to the podcast. And until then, we'll see you on the next podcast episode.